uh, two weeks ago, I started a little teaching. I call it Prosperity Hijacked. I say that there is a message in the Bible about prosperity, but it's been hijacked in all kinds of directions. And we talked about some of them. It was really meddling right in. I'm going to keep doing it today. Just a few things I said in that. There's a universal striving for well-being. It's in every person that you want to have a good life. Many of you maybe came to Canada thinking, even though I go through all that pain, leaving friends and family behind where I came from, it's going to make it better for my family. That's a natural human instinct. And any preacher who tries to say the opposite is going against the way God created people to be. Now, of course, we can become obsessed and anything can become abusive, but there is a universal striving for a better life. Then, and I said as well, God is not an irresponsible dreamer. I think from the vantage point of the gospel, you know, God's given us a great assignment. He's given us the Holy Spirit to be our helper. But God also wants every need for that assignment to be met. Amen. And then I kind of touched on that there's no trouble like money trouble. If you ever had money trouble, you know it keeps you awake at night. It, it, it keeps you just nervous. It keeps you anxious. And, and they say that, you know, families get along really well until a rich uncle dies. And then they don't talk to one another anymore because they're fighting over the will, you see. People say that as sad as a divorce can be, that, that, that uh, uh, you, you know, as long as there's no money involved, everybody kind of can be fairly amiable. But once there's money involved, money makes people do things they otherwise wouldn't do. I told you there wouldn't be much chances for clapping, so I gave you your chance five minutes ago. Uh, but, but it's true, isn't it? And, 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 so, uh, and so when I read this verse, and some of those who say, oh, God doesn't prosper. God's not for you. They hate this verse. And they say, oh, that verse, you can't read that. You can't preach from that verse. That's just a greeting. It's just like saying hello. But when I'm reading this verse today, I'm reading it, I can say, from my heart to you. Every person who is a friend of our ministry, every person in this church, and I wouldn't be insulting Brother John the Apostle, who was the last writer of the New Testament, to say that he put a whole verse in there that's just a greeting, it doesn't mean anything. No, he wrote and he said, verse 2 in 3 John, Beloved, beloved. This is from my heart to you. If you are a, maybe a single parent and you're struggling in life, maybe you're a senior and maybe things are, you're struggling and maybe not struggling. Maybe you are, uh, you know, whoever you are, a parent. Or I, I don't know who you are. Maybe you're doing really well. Well, you can do better with God. <laughs> and maybe you're not doing so well. God's going to help you. So whoever you are, I say, beloved, I wish and I pray that in all respects you may prosper. It means literally, if you look at the etymology of the word, it means to do well on your journey. I want you to prosper and I want you to be in good health as your soul prospers. And so that means that the good health and the prosperity in all respects, it hinges on your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions prospering. And so, this is pretty straightforward. In the last teaching installment, I talked about the history of this. Those people who were, uh, you know, read the first 39 books of the Bible, the Old Testament, they had no doubt about this. They understood that God blesses people spiritually, but also He blesses people uh, materially. That was a foregone conclusion. And we see in the Gospels how Jesus uh, experienced abundance. We talked about Paul. We gave examples of that. But then we said church history came in, and, and, and poverty became an ideal. And I quoted Martin Luther's famous statement where he said that human nature is like a drunk peasant. 
You know, he falls off one side of the horse and you lift him up back on the horse and then he topples over on the other side. And that's a little bit how human nature is. You know, for, for, for years, people just believed that poverty was the ideal. If you were a good Christian, you shouldn't have any money. People even say to you, oh, I see you got, a, you, you got some money. Uh, how, how do you feel about that, you being a Christian at all? See? Uh, but then something wonderful happened in our generation, because I've experienced both sides of the horse, so to speak. And there was a beautiful revelation. And we begin to see scriptures. I began to see as a young man that it was different than what I had learned as a child. That God blessed these hearers in the Bible. He blessed them in every area. Spiritually, of course, first and foremost, but in every area. But then what can happen is you fall off on the other side of the horse. We, we love, we often quote, Pastor Nathan does and I do, we often quote a person we respect from history, Brother Kenneth Hagin, for example. Beautiful brother. Some people call him like a real prosperity teacher, but the truth is that Brother Hagin, before he passed away, uh, went to be with the Lord, and I remember this so well, he called people in and says, you know, you're becoming extremist. And he gave a warning. He gave even a rebuke. Now, not, not a lot of them didn't receive it, but he gave it. And I'm saying today that there is something beautiful here, but it's been hijacked. It's been abused by people who just abuse it for their own selfish gain. It's been abused by people who deny it. I quoted one famous preacher here, very famous, very influential, one of the most influential in America. I heard him say, he said, having money is almost all the, all the time just a curse. You know, I said, the only person who can say that with a straight face is a person who has a lot of money. <laughs> So I checked his net worth, and it's high, it's high, very high, very high. You can only talk that kind of stupid talk if money has never been a problem to you, and you don't care about people. And, and so you, you have the deniers. Then you have the cessationists to say, well, you know, God doesn't do anything anymore. Everything he did was 2,000 years ago. No healing, no miracles, no gifts of the Spirit. And then you have the legalists. And so we talked about some of the abuses, some of the, you know, calling, if you have money, means you're spiritual. We talked about how Paul talks to say, that's depraved. We talked about how, what does it mean, a hundredfold blessing, and what does it not mean? We talked about naming the seed, how that's not the pattern in the Bible. We talked about giving according to the Jewish calendar, all kinds of nonsense. And, and, and we had a good time, didn't we? So I want to give you a few more nonsense. Are you ready for some more nonsense? You may be an exposed to that. For example, some preachers have a tendency to say, I got a money anointing. Or they say, I have a debt-canceling anointing. Give your money to me because I have this money anointing. And uh, I have a money-multiplying anointing. Some of them have gone so far as to pray over pennies and send them to people that put them in your wallet and my, all kinds of foolishness. First of all, let me tell you something. The anointing is Jesus Christ. That's the only anointing we can talk about. And we see a pattern, for example, in the book of Acts on one occasion, they were bringing offerings to Paul and Barnabas, the apostles. They were just sacrificing, bringing offerings to them. And what did they do? They restrained the people. It says, don't behave like that. Don't bring it to us. Don't, don't treat us like this. We are just mere men like you are. And they began to point the people in the direction of Jesus Christ. And so, yes, you know, he said, well, isn't there a debt cancellation anointing? Well, of course, there are examples in the Bible. There's one time when there was an axe head that fell into the water and went to the bottom. And God did a miracle, floated to the top, and they sold it and paid the taxes. 
I had a time, remember that woman who, who couldn't uh, pay for her son's freedom and, and the oil was multiplying. Remember that story? That's beautiful. Beautiful story. One time when the disciples had to pay taxes, you know, the Lord showed them how, how, how they can get money out of the most unexpected places and they got a gold coin out of the fish's mouth. But that's not the general pattern. The general pattern is this. If you got yourself into debt, which you maybe shouldn't have done, you know what God's going to do? He wants to work with you to bless the work of your hands so that you can repay that debt. Some people give a testimony, oh, praise God, you know, the bank made a mistake and they put a million dollars in my account. Oh, I'm going to go and spend it. Don't do that. You're going to jail if you're spending that. And that came out of somebody else's account. That's not it. So, oh, praise God, I had a breakthrough. The bank made a mistake. Oh, they'll figure it out eventually. You know what's glory to God is? If you, did, if you do have a debt, that your God is so big, He can bless the work of your hands, and you can work with the Holy Spirit and have opportunities, and you'll pay off every debt, and maybe you'll be able to lend to others instead of taking loan from others. You see what I'm talking about? That, that's more glory to God. Now, I told you there wouldn't be much clapping because you like to have the axe head swim, and it could happen. I'm not saying it couldn't happen. God is God. Are you with me? But that's not the pattern in Scripture. All right, going on to another one here. Then, then the idea, give to get. That's a half-truth, half-truth. God's way is not give to get. That's a half-truth. Here, here's God's way. Receive, give, increase. Let's say it together. Receive, give, increase. Matthew 10, 8 says, freely you received, freely give. Notice that the receiving comes first because everything we have comes from God. See, God's grace always starts with God. It's not like if I give to God, God's going to give to me. No, God has already given you everything and you get a revelation. God has given me everything, all the wisdom and the faith and the joy that I need. I have received in Christ and you may have just a little bit in the material realm, but you start to give from what God has blessed you with and it leads to increase. Oh, praise God. You have a good, good example? Uh, Nehemiah 8.10. Here's what they were told. Go eat the fat. Drink the sweet. That's where it starts. Prosper. And then send portions to him who has nothing prepared. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. It's the same thing is what David said. He says, anything that I give to God, God gave me in the first place. I have nothing to give that I haven't received. And everything I have, your smarts, your intellect, your brain, the ability to work with your hand, whatever artistic ability you have, God gave that to you. And you say, because God has given so much to me, I'm a giver. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Then here's another, here's another scam. Here's another scam. Specific dollar amounts to claim specific blessings. Oh, this is very popular. Where you assign a dollar value to a promise from God. It could be like this. Let me give you so that you know what I'm talking about. Somebody usually shrouded in, oh, I was fasting and praying, and, and the Lord told me to share this, you know. And most people, oh, he was fasting and praying. I, I don't want to question it. Oh, it must be from God. And he says, you know, Isaiah 54 is such a beautiful chapter that if you would decide in the next 12 months you're going to give $54 every month, God showed me while I was praying and fasting, and, and he woke me up in the 
the night and showed me that, that, that Isaiah 54 will be released on your family and it's time to do it now. Boo, 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 boo. Oh, well, and there's uh, some testimony. Oh, I gave $54. Or, or you could, if you want to up it a little bit, you, could, you go for, well, if you're going to go for Isaiah 54, go for Psalm 91. It's more money. <laughs> you know, so if you, if you want all the blessing of Psalm 91 and you abide under the shadow of the Almighty, you want protection. If you would just purpose to give $91 for this year, you're going to have Psalm 91 released over your family. I tell you, I received this. I would never dare to say it on my own, but I've been fasting for 21 days. I go have a hamburger. Tell them that. And that, that's a scam. And no wonder some people say this prosperity message is just junk. That's not the gospel. That's an antichrist method. Because 2 Corinthians 1 10 says, 120 says, all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. Amen. So you see, your $91 will not pay for Psalm 91 because Jesus paid for Psalm 91 on your behalf already. I'm trying to help you so you don't fall for this and then you say, oh, I tried everything. This one told me to do this and this one told me to do that. And I guess it's, it's just all a bunch of talk. It's not real. No, there is a reality. God wants you to be in prospering and be in health as your soul prospers. But there are some drunken preachers who fall off way off the horse. I'm trying to get you back on the horse and ride into glory. Then you have this indiscriminate wealth transfer. Just because, you know, money cometh to me. And the preacher says, my bills are being paid tonight. Yeah, his bills are being paid, not yours. There's no indiscriminate wealth transfer because you stand screaming it. There is a promise in the prophet Haggai that, uh, that the final house of God, which is a house of living stones, that the wealth of the nations are coming into that house for building God's eternal dwelling place, a temple of living stones. Uh, that's one thing. But you know, you can abuse anything or you can use it properly in its context. Then you have the middleman idea. Have you got a middleman? You know, that widow woman, she had a middleman. Middle he was Elijah. And that, that woman whose son was dying and needed him raised from the dead, she had a middleman, Elijah. Who's your middleman? And this is the idea that a preacher in the New Covenant is the same as a priest under the law of Moses. First of all, I want to say to pastors, if you want to practice that, pastors cannot own cars, you cannot own houses or condominiums. Because the tithe was given to the priest because they were not allowed to own anything. It's getting quiet here now. Some of you had plans of entering pastoral ministry and you just resigned. Good. <laughs> you, you know, that, 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 was, that was specific. And it was to be given to the priest for the, for the service of the temple and for the synagogues, but also for their, because they didn't have any land. Remember, the, the tribe of Levi got no land, but they got 10%. So, are you thinking? Are you still here? Or, or did I lose you? All right. And so, so here's something beautiful. Let me put it on the screen because it's so important. Pastors do not represent people before God. We don't represent you before God. No, you have direct access to God. 
That's an old covenant idea. That a pastor, and any pastor who pretends that I'm going to represent you to God, run from such a pastor. Pastors, apostles, evangelists, pastors, teachers, prophets in the new covenant do not represent people before God. They are gifts from God. To equip believers. In a sense, they, you could say that they maybe represent God to people. We want to bring something from God's Word to help you and strengthen you. So in that sense, there's a special preparation. But we don't represent you to God. I want to tell you, you are a priest of the Most High God. You are a priest yourself of the Most High God. And so sometimes what preachers do because they want to raise money, often in a selfish motive, I don't know everybody's motive, is so they position themselves as if they were an Old Covenant priest. Well, you're in the wrong religion. In the gospel, we don't have people represented before God by priests. Oh, because our high priest, there's only one high priest. He made a new and living way once for everyone. Well, that's, you know, you can clap for that. You can do a little bit better there. And, and it's kind of interesting. In the book of Hebrews, when it talks about the tithe and the offering, it, 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 it emphasizes something there much stronger than it was ever done to the Jewish people before. It says that you have one, which is Jesus Christ, who receives it. There are mortal men who handle it, you know, count it, put it in the bank, put it into the gospel, but Jesus himself receives it. There's all kinds of gimmicks. You know, I remember when I was in Bible school, I was invited to stay in the state of Maine with a family. I got into their house, and as soon as I got in there, the man in the house says, oh, I got this letter from this preacher. What do you think about it? You were being a Bible school student and all. He said, well, what do you think of this? So I read this letter, and this preacher had come up with a scam of anointed chewing gums. For real. Wrigley's Spearmint Gum. And he said, I have a limited supply that I have prayed over, and the anointing of the Spirit of God is on these chewing gums, and for a certain amount of money, you give an offering, I will send you one stick, not the whole pack, which was five sticks. One. And he said, now you put that in. You take one of them out of the pack. You buy a regular pack. Then you put one of the anointed ones in. And when you give it to your relatives that don't know the Lord, they're going to come under conviction and get saved. And if you care for your relatives... If you care at all for your sons and daughters that don't know the Lord, or, you, you, you will get this uh, chewing gum. And he says, what do you think? I couldn't believe. Whose house am I staying in who has to ask such a question? Limited supply. If I could have anointed chewing gums, I have unlimited supply. I just go to Wrigley's factories and buy more and more and more. And people, the, the friends... And of course, it was cloaked in prayer and anointing and fasting. and These are gimmicks. And so I can understand people say, you know, there's this message of prosperity. It's just, it's just gullible people who believe it. Well, some people are gullible. Or, or I'm going to take your prayer request. If you give me an offering, I'll take your prayer request to Jerusalem. Because God's going to hear your prayer more in Jerusalem. Where, I mean, who comes up with this? Who comes up with this kind of stuff? I, I mean, where, where, where do you get this from? It, it, it's, no, the promise, I, I have a whole list of gimmicks. I'm not going to bore you because how many know what I'm talking about? You know, there's, there's a new scam all the time. And so I've got to say, when some people say, oh, talking, don't talk about prosperity. Oh, that's not cool anymore. Oh, there's so many scams. I don't care how many scam artists there are. I'm going to teach biblical prosperity. I'm going to teach God's abundance because I, I'm a Bible preacher. Amen. So are you ready for some of that? And I can tell you, Adam was promised 
prosperity and increase. So was Abraham and Job and Isaac and Paul experienced it and Jesus walked in it and all that. We talked about that last time. I want to give you three things and I think these three hooks, there's much more to be said. I'm not going to say everything that can be said and we'll be here to Christmas, which is only a few months away. Uh, uh, but uh, I think everything could be hung on these three hooks. There's three things to consider if you want. How, how many like to have biblical prosperity? You want God to help you. I mean, and maybe you say, oh, I'm so old now, I don't need to prosper anymore. Why not having senior citizens prosper a little bit more? Would that be all right? Or you say, I'm too young. Don't say you're too young. Start now. And so I want to give you three hooks. Number one, what the Bible talks about is wisdom. Wisdom. Or I put in practice the attitude. Certain attitudes that are wisdom attitudes. And one of those is everything is from God. Uh, you, you know, uh, Paul put it this way in Romans 11. He said, Oh, the depth of the riches, both the wisdom of knowledge of God. Who has first given to him that it might be paid back to him? I mean, who of us have given God something so that now he has to pay us back? As if we gave something to God for him to give back. I mean, who among us can say that? He, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. The, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So everything we have comes from God. That's a good thing to remember. And then, you know, God said to, to Abraham, he says, uh, uh, he's the possessor of everything. David reiterated the same thing. It's many times in the Bible. Then here's another wisdom principle. When you look at people, see hearts, not wallets. See hearts, not swallowed. And the Bible is very strong on this. I'll share several scriptures. You know, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12, I don't seek what's yours, but you. See, don't look at people, your friends. I'm going to be friend with so-and-so because they have something I want. That's going to wear out very quickly and eventually it will catch up on you. Look at people's hearts. Look, because you see, if people's hearts are for the Lord, everything else will come into place, you see? And then when you look to work with people, look at where their heart is at. Very important. Much could be said about that. Let me give you something else. Lift the poor. Lift the poor. Uh, you know, uh, it says in Galatians 2.10, they desired only that we should remember the poor. The very thing I was very eager to do, Paul says. And John says, you know, when you help a brother in need, Someone who's poor. That's a sign of God's love. James talks about exploiting poor people. Saying, well, they don't have much anyhow, so I can just exploit them. I can just uh, keep them under my feet. No, that's against the gospel. Now, there are people who are physically poor, financially poor, also spiritually poor. And so I, I'm very glad for that. I'm, you know, we, we do a lot of work in many countries, and you are involved with this as a church family, partners and friends of our ministry all over the world. For example, I thought about our Bible school students, World Impact Bible Institute students. You know, many of them, whether they're in the Buddhist country of Myanmar or they're in the different African countries, Indonesia, they come from homes where they could never afford training. They could never afford it. But they want to serve God. Some of them are becoming powerful apostles, pastors, and evangelists in their own right. But they couldn't afford to get the training. It would be not possible for them. So now we have a way. They may be paid 10% or whatever they can. But, but what you're doing, you're helping your 
you lifting them. And of course, we make sure that you're in the two years there in Bible school, they have food, but they, uh, and they have a shelter, and, and we help them. And many of them, they step out. You are helping, in sense, someone who was poor uh, to become rich in the Lord and to prosper so that they can help others. Oh, praise God. I, I applaud that. That's beautiful. And, and uh, I, I just happen to have all these shoes here being sent to the First Nations. What a be- Give a big hand for that. I think that's a great thing. And we want to do more. We talked about next Sunday, we might make connections that will help us in this area. Canada needs help in this area. So, and then and another thing here, no favoritism. The Bible says that, that it's a wisdom principle to not show favoritism. It says in James 2, if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings in fine clothing, and there should come in a poor man in filthy clothes, and you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes and say to him, oh, you sit here in this good place. And you say to the poor man, oh, you can stand here in the back. <laughs> and say to the poor, you stand here, sit here at my footstool. Have you not shown partiality and become judges with evil thoughts? Don't judge people on the outside. You know, I, I, I just remember to illustrate this. Years ago, I was in Zambia. We had a pretty good, pretty good campaign, large meeting. I was meeting very influential people. There was this young man there. It's just a young kid, maybe a teenager. And he was so zealous for the Lord, but he wanted all my time. You know, he wanted me to come to see his little place there. And, 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 and I was busy, but somebody told me, go, go, go there. And go and do. He said, oh, can you come and do this? And so I said, I'm going to go anyhow. I didn't know that a few years later, that young man, he would be the vice president of Zambia. You know, you just never know. You just never know. You just never know who you're investing in. Come on, give the Lord praise. You, you never know. So, 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 so let God spare you from judging people. You, you never know. You know, some people dress like they're multimillionaires, but it's all on credit cards. <laughs> it's all on loan. Another person have a lot of dirt under their fingernail. They drive an old beat up truck. Ooh, but they got a full bank account. You just never know. And you, you don't need to know because you treat everybody the same. I, I'm glad that mentors I had. I'm glad T.L. Osborne was a mentor for me in my early ministry because I saw so many preachers who act like divas, you know. And, and I, what I always liked about him is, is he treated everybody the same. In fact, I, I sometimes protest. Can I, can I share o- openly with you? I was in one particular country, and, you know, they always have this, you know, the BMOG, big man of God idea. And usually I would be in that. My picture's on the poster in the tree. I'm the big man of God, and I come in the big, uh, you know, caravan of nice cars, and, nowhere, you know, nobody can touch me because I'm so anointed that if you touch me, I'm lose it, you know. Such a weak anointing I have, actually. But anyhow, and, and so I just hate that when preachers have ushers do that, shielding you. And so I just walk right out in the field and find some some toothless old man uh, who, who just looked like he was and I just kneel down in front of him and start talking to him and the ushers are freaking out they said oh but I, I was doing it because I wanted to talk to the man but I also wanted to show those big wigs that I don't follow your parade here because we treat people the same it's a wisdom principle come on give the Lord praise here, we talked about this last week am I doing any good is it alright that we bring up these verses here contentment you know, we talked about what that does mean to be content with things as you have. But then it says in the same passage that God gives richly all things for us to enjoy. But we talked about what that means. It, it means that you don't love money, you don't trust money, you trust in God. And that makes you actually equipped to handle money. And you always realize this, that, that people are more valuable than money and heaven is more valuable than anything you'll have on this earth. 
Some of you didn't believe that. I better give you a verse to prove it. I can see I lost you there. Hebrews 10, 34, the writer says, you had compassion on me in my chains and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods. In other words, they were giving a lot. They were just giving a lot of material things. Knowing that you have a better and enduring possession for yourself in heaven. So, 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 yes, I am. You hear me preach. I think you got my message. God wants to help you. God wants to prosper you. God is for you. God has wisdom for you. I want you all to prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. But no matter how much you prosper, there is something more enduring than the nicest car and the nicest house. And you have an enduring possession in heaven. Praise God. Oh, that, that's good. Hey, hey, let me give you another. Under these wisdom principles, love is what matters. That's a good thing to understand. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, though I give my body to be burned, but I don't have love, it doesn't profit me. It doesn't profit me. It profits the poor. If you give to the poor, it profits them. It profits, if you give to our ministry for the gospel, it'll profit the gospel if you give to us. Even if you don't have an ounce of love in your heart, we'll still take your money. You understand? But I really don't want you to, I want you to give it because of love, because it profits you. Your Heavenly Father wants you to prosper. These are just, understand. so that's why I often say to people, I don't like to use these gimmicks. I say, you know, think about how much God loves you. When you're going to give an offering, think about, has God been good to you? Have you received his love? What do you want to do with that? So I don't want to coerce people. I don't want to manipulate. I'm appealing on this biblical way. So, you know, get rich, quick schemes. It leads to all kinds of snares and dangers. You see, if somebody says, oh, I can double your money in a month. Well, you can say double your own money then. Wouldn't involve me in your, in your, in your thing. Uh, if it sounds too good to be true, it usually is. Uh, there's a second hook. Are you with me for the second hook? How many want to prosper? How many want to do better? Now, 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 now this is for almost everybody. If you're retired, well, you can fall asleep for five minutes, but then I'll wake you up. Uh, 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 number two, work ethics. Work ethics. The Bible talks a lot about that. Working. Integrity and work habits. It says in Romans 12, 11, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Those are, those are three good things there. Not, not lazy in business, not lazy in work. Spirit is strong, serving the Lord. Ephesians 4, 28, he who steals must steal no longer. That's a prophetic word for all thieves. Uh, but rather he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good. So that he will have something to share. In other words, a, a prosperity sometimes has been displayed as some, some kind of you hit the lottery jackpot or somehow supernaturally there was a suitcase of cash put in your trunk. You don't know how it got there. You just open the trunk. There it is. But really God's pattern is he blesses the work of your hands. Right now, look at your hands. Look at them right now. And just say, thank you, Lord. Everybody say it. Thank you, Lord, that the works of my hands... Oh, take, do you know, you know you're actually allowed to take, I have you say things, but you can't say it because of that mask. Do you know what the real, you can keep the mask on, but I'm saying just for, for principle's sake, the real ruling in the province of Ontario is that once the religious ceremony starts, you are allowed to remove it, just so you know. But, and the ceremony started at 10.30. But anyhow, just, just if you want to really be a stickler, but leave them on. Okay, I won't have you repeat things anymore. I repent of that. Uh, are you with me here? God blesses the work of your hands. Let me give you another verse. Ephesians 6.6. 6, Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. 
You know, people say, I really want to work for the Lord someday. Well, I say, that's the wrong idea. Because the, 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 the Bible idea is that whatever you do, you're driving a taxi cab, you, you're working as a baggage handler at the airport, you, you, you're a lawyer, you're a nurse, you're a factory worker, all work is unto the Lord. You're not doing because the boss is watching, but you're doing it unto the Lord. That, that's God's will. And see, chances are when, you, when we have that attitude, promotion will come. We're praying for promotion, promotion, promotion. Lord, promotion. I claim promotion. I claim it. Money cometh to me. Promotion cometh to me. You, you can scream till you're blue in the face. If, you're, if, you, if you just work when the boss is watching, they're going to figure it out. There's cameras everywhere these days. Who knows? I don't know. Maybe filming me right now. And so, so all work is God's work. That's another principle. Then integrity in finances. You know, I say to people when it comes to paying taxes, pay everything that you legally must pay, but pay as little as possible. Get all your deductions. That's why, that's the only reason why we fill out these envelopes and put name and address because you say, I don't know if I want to make enough to claim anything. Well, act in faith that you are going to make enough so that you can claim it. And, you know, but do it legally. Amen. Credit cards can be a help if you pay them every month, but they can be a curse. You, you see, you, they charge, what do they charge, 25% a month? It's 25% a year? I mean, that's highway robbery. Oh, I'm just you can clap. Don't clap because you don't want to clap. I know that. But it's the truth. Believe God. Don't, don't use them. Sometimes in some kind of work, you need to use credit cards because, you, you know, that's why people, you pay for things. Airline tickets and all kinds of things. But, but then you pay them off. Don't make that. That's not God's financial plan for you that you're going to pay 25% interest. Don't nudge anybody in the side. If your husband needs to hear this or your wife, just look straight ahead and stay with me here, all right? Integrity and finances. You know, Titus was appointed by Paul. He says, he's going to pick up the money. He's going to come to you and pick up the money that you collected. Why, why was he saying that? He's saying because he's praised in all the churches that he has financial integrity. Let me give you another verse here, 2 Thessalonians 3. We command you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to withdraw from every, every brother who walks disorderly. Follow us, for we were not disorderly, nor did we eat anybody's bread free of charge, but we worked with labor and toil night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you. Not because we don't have authority, but make uh, ourselves an example how you should follow us. We hear that some who walk among you in a disorderly manner, not working at all, but are busy, busybodies. Now, of course, if somebody is sick, we understand they can't work. But you know, some people are busy. But I remember, I think I told you in our church, there was this sweet lady, sweet, sweet lady. You know, how many know that those ladies who never complain once, they are sweet. And men, they, they just love the church. How I many look at your neighbor and say, he's talking about you now. Uh, she was one of those ladies. She never had a concern. She just loved the church. She loved the vision. She wanted to give. But then somebody said to me, have you noticed Mrs. So-and-so? She's looking sad. I said, Mrs. So-and-so is sad. i got to go and take a look at her when I shake hands at the door. If she's looking that sad, so I went and looked at her. A little lady, she looked sad. I said, talk to me. What's wrong? Oh, she says, I have no food. Why don't you have any food? I said, well, I don't want to tell you. Oh, so tell me. I'm the pastor. You know, sometimes you have to use your authority. Tell me why you don't have any food. She says, well, you know this prophet and his family? She had a little maybe one bedroom apartment, two bedroom. 
he, he says he's like Elijah. He moved in six months ago. And I'm living on a pension. And he says that I'm like the widow in the, in the Bible. I'm supposed to open my apartment to him. And she said, I take my pension and I go shopping and I fill the refrigerator. The next day it's all gone. He says, the prophet and his family ate it all. And she says, I haven't wanted to say anything because she was one of those nice saints, you know, just like you are. And she, he did, she didn't want to, oh, she thought he was a great prophet. I said, Who, who's that prophet? So I had to ask one of my coworkers, go over there and kick out the prophet and, 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 and bring some relief to this woman. I'm just following. It was that cruel. I'm following the Bible. It says, withdraw from busybodies. Oh, that'll preach. Withdraw from busybodies. My goodness. And the lady became happy again. That's what a good pastor would do. Come on. Come on. Give a, that's what a good pastor would do. I said, oh, I need, I need to pray about this for 30 days, what I should do. No, send someone out there and grab that prophet by the scruff of his neck and kick him down the stairs and say, get out of here. Leave the woman on a pension alone. Oh, glory to God. I feel so good about it. I got to get to the third hook. Are you with me? So the first was, there are wisdom principles. I shared a few of them, that's all. Then, good work ethics. Then the third thing that the Bible talks about is generosity. Generosity. Isaiah 32, a generous man devises generous things. And by his generosity, he shall stand. So you just think, how can I be generous? He's just scheming all the time. How can I be more generous? It is systematic generosity. 1 Corinthians 16, 2, the first day of the week, lay aside something, storing up that he may prosper. Philippians 4, you send aid once and again for my necessities. Not because I want a gift, Paul says, but I'm, I want fruit into your account. And for some people, you know, they're just generous when they get emotional. So if the preacher can make you cry, you say, oh, I'm going to give for the, it must be God because I'm crying. But you know, that, that's not how I do it. That's not how Pastor Nathan does it. We, we give on purpose. Let each person do what he purposes in his heart. So if it's a real bad Sunday, I mean, we don't have any of those. I can't remember any real bad Sunday now for a decade, but not been one or two. I mean, everything goes wrong. The sound is screeching. You're doing good today, brother. And, and everything is off, you know, whatever, everything. Then especially, I want to say, now that I'm a little bit grumpy under the skin, I'm really going to bring the Lord's tithe and offering in because I'm not, I'm not one of these sporadics. I'm, I'm, I'm prospering on purpose. Oh, don't look at me so strange. That's how I think. I'm just telling you. And generosity in tough times, tough times. 2 Corinthians 8, in a great ordeal of affliction, their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their generosity. According to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave of their own accord, begging us with much urging uh, for the favor of participation. They wanted to participate. They first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. You know, that can be tough. If you're going through a tough time yourself, you feel like, I got to look after number one, right? And I, I tell you, in fact, I've told that story maybe, but it, it kind of fits in with this. You know, the Lord was trying to teach me about this. Early in my ministry, he was trying to teach me this because I have a big responsibility. I'm responsible for a lot of things around the world. And, and so I think, you know, you know, God has to be able to trust you with money. And so I was in a situation, and I've told this story because God was teaching me, and I don't tell you to do what I did. Don't ever repeat what I did. In fact, don't do it. I command you in the name of the Lord, don't do what I did. I'm just telling you what I did. And that is, we needed money. And I was complaining to the Lord. I said, look, Lord, you know, we try to spend this money wisely. 
And we are, I think, reaching as many people for Christ as any ministry in the world for a dollar spent. And I was kind of whining to the Lord as if, you know, I had to inform him of things. And I'm sitting there, and the Lord speaks to me. He says, you remember that preacher was in another country, not in Canada, not in the United States? You know, he, you received a lot from him many years ago. I want you to send him $10,000. I mean, no, I didn't have $10,000. I wouldn't have been praying in the first place if I had $10,000. I would have been spending it. <laughs> I didn't have it. But it came so strong that I actually borrowed. I, don't do that. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't do what he says now. He says, I borrowed it. I scraped it together. I said, God has told me I must do that. And, and I felt like I couldn't. That was it. I was at a brick wall. I couldn't go on talking about God doing anything else or believing off anything else. So I did that. I did it. In retrospect, that's why I said, don't do it. God was dealing with me. I did it. And within a few weeks, our whole situation was solved. I paid off the loan to make the 10000 which I didn't have, of course. And, and, and you see, God was trying to teach me that no matter how tough it looks, I am your source, and you do what I tell you to do. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. I have equal generosity. Uh, you know, that it says there, not that others should be eased and you burdened, but there may be equality. I want to talk to everybody. I want to talk to young people. Somebody, she said, oh, well, you know, they're teenagers. They don't give. Why, they don't? Why don't they? Teenagers should give. I gave when I was a teenager. That's how God taught me giving. Uh, no, no. Oh, well, it's okay. Maybe one day. No, no. If you don't start in your teens, you probably will never start. And, and sometimes, you know, teenagers have more money than anybody. Come on, mom and dad. I mean, they have all kinds of things. They have little things. You know, seniors, people who have kids. But, but it's not the same amount. But it's, it's I'm generous on purpose. Uh, and then uh, let me give you one more scripture. Generous sowing and reaping. The one who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. He who sows generously will reap generously. Each one must do as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. So, so no gun to your head, no coercion, no manipulation. Oh, you better give now because you know this is a special Hebrew feast right now. And if you don't get your offering in before that Hebrew feast is over, heaven is not open anymore. None of that. None of that coercion. None of that preaching manipulation. But for God loves a cheerful giver. I want you to be happy, jolly, just a happy, jolly person saying, bless God, I'm giving to the Lord. He has given so much to me. It's not give to get. It's receive, give, and increase. Receive, give, and increase. Oh, thank you, Lord. How, how many got something out of this? How many got something out of it? I hurried through this. But, but I, you see, I, I, you know how I feel? I'm like really stirred up about this. I'm stirred up about people watching at home. I'm stirred up about people who help us around the world. I'm stirred up about you. I sincerely can say from the bottom of my heart, beloved, I want you in all respects to prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. I don't want you to be hijacked in any direction. I don't want you to fall for some scam in the name of the Lord, someone tricking you to do something and creating a false sense of emergency. On the other hand, I don't want you to fall for that other hijacking that says, oh, you know, that God doesn't help you financially. Oh, that's just a bunch of preachers talking. No, it's in the Scripture. So we're not going to fall off the horse this way. We're not going to fall off this way. We're not going to be like a drunk peasant. We're going to ride that horse. 
come on. We're going to kick him a little bit in the side and say, faster horse. I'm running into my purpose, into the increase, into the abundance that God has for me. And of course it starts with you having your needs met. You having your needs met. But ultimately, we are people on purpose. You know, once you have so many pair of shoes, you have a couple for summer, a couple for winter, and outdoor and indoor, slippers. How many can you have? How many suits can you have? Especially, you know, men, we, we just change ties. You think we got a new suit. It's the same old suit I've worn every Sunday. I just changed the tie. You see, and it look, looks different. I put a little poof in here sometimes, take the poof out, and you think, oh, he looks different today. He looks different today. Oh, he's got some new thing. I've got a new thing. I put a little pin here, a little pin there, do something, you see. And, and so, I mean, how, how much can you consume? Are you with me? Oh, you say, you're telling me all your tricks now. Yeah, of course. I'm on television. I have to try to look different every day. So I have this shirt and I have this combo and I change this and I change that. And people say, how many clothes does he have? Not that many, actually. Ask my wife. She'll tell the truth. Uh, uh, um, okay. So, but, but beyond that, it's for the world. We believe God for a global awakening. We believe millions of people are coming to Christ. We believe every person is valuable and God is not irresponsible. He finances his plan. Hallelujah. I want every head to be bowed right now. You know, you know I, I want to say to you, so here I've been talking some uh, financial principles from the Bible. Because I've been teaching Bible prosperity and uh, just addressing the situation where we're at. But if you don't have peace with God, if you don't know that your sins have been forgiven, you know, that's way more important. That's way more important. Jesus said, what shall it profit a person if he gains the whole wide world and loses his soul? His soul is lost. And so that's way more important.